Hello and welcome to Behind the Lens with EDL. I'm your host EDL and I'm so excited to be interviewing athletes that I've captured on camera. We talk about their career, any struggles and issues they've dealt with, as well as some background of some of the favorite photos that I've captured of them. This is episode two and I get to sit down with Trey Gabriel, a football player that I met while I was an intern with Columbia Football. Uh, let's just jump right into the episode and I hope you enjoy. All right. Hey, Trey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Aaron? I'm great. Happy to be here. Happy to be talking to you. Catching up. It's been, what, over a year? Over? Maybe maybe yeah. more. Is it? No, oh, no it was... it's been a year. Yeah, I graduated 2019. You took our graduation photos. and then, Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Oh, well, no, but then they had another season. It's so, probably... yeah, so it's been almost two years. Yeah, almost two years. A year and a half-ish. Wow. Range. That's crazy. Yeah. Time flies. I feel yeah. like that was literally just like last, like yesterday. I mean, yeah, but it was good times. No, nah, I mean, you were just there for a year, but like the impact you made on our team was just, you know, amazing. So, oh, you're too kind. We're going to talk about that <laughs> later. <laughs> um, no, but so uh, if for people that don't know you, I just want you to kind of introduce yourself, where you went to high school, where you went to college, what sports you played, um, and then what you're up to now, now that you've already graduated. Okay, uh, so quick little elevator pitch. So um, <laughs> my name's Trey Gabriel. I was born and raised in South Florida, West Palm Beach. Uh, I went to I was a public school kid my whole life, but then I went to a private school for high school called Oxbridge Academy in the Palm Beaches, and I actually founded the football team there. Um, yeah, and then we. Uh, what? But it's it's a it's a kind of a crazy story. Now there's no longer a football team. It gets really toxic, but uh, we have some good things to show oh. for it. We have. We've had dozens of Division One, and our short span, dozens of Division One athletes. Uh, if there's any Seattle Seahawks fans, Travis Homer, the running back over there, was a year behind me. Uh, any SEC fans, Keija Smith at Old Smith, uh, Old Miss right now, he's going to be a, a high draft pick probably next year. So a lot of talent in a short span. Wow. That took me to Columbia, where I spent uh, four years there, majored in political science, loved New York, uh, loved being part of that team. I played basketball and baseball a little bit in high school too, but football's always been my passion. And then I played a fifth year actually at, for, I went back home. I was in, yes. I, my intention was to, to take a gap year and just figure out life. But um, my high school head coach ended up being a head coach for a NAIA program, a new startup. Oh. So, yeah, we just got to talk in. I didn't play my freshman year at Columbia. I registered, so I had actually eligibility. Um, I still had, you know, some gas in the tank, so ended up playing my fifth year there. Uh, and then that's where I kind of solidified that I wanted to shift gears instead of, like, doing political science. I started majoring in psychology. Now got I work it. for a mental health nonprofit, and I'm at Florida State getting my master's in sports psychology. So that's oh, yeah, my, my, I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of different paths, but yes, I, yeah, it's been a busy past year and a half for me. Wow, you've done a lot since we last since I took those grad photos. <laughs> right, yeah, I've been busy. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't know that your coach. That makes sense because I was wondering how that all happened. Like when I saw you were playing, I was like, wait, what? How? When? You know, like. I, and I also didn't know you had an extra year. Again, I was only with Columbia for a year. So, right. like, I I knew that year, and that was basically it. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah, and I knew you were doing a lot of mental health stuff. What? How did you get into that? Like, how would you? Right. So, I mean, like many 
kids, but especially athletes where you're, you're micro-focused on your sport. You, I just never really figured out what else I was into or interested in or enjoyed mm-hmm. doing. Uh, but <clears throat> I've always been kind of a compassionate person, an empathetic person, which is kind of, you know, you, you find where you're meant to be. So I actually went to dinner with my current boss. She took me to dinner because she knew who I was. I didn't really know who she was, but she followed me on Twitter because her son played for the football program back at in high school. But when I was long gone, but she knew, oh, this is Trey Gable who started the program. That's like, and we're so good now. So she knew who I was, wanted to take me up to dinner when she was in New York. And like days prior, I had just kind of realized, you know what? I kind of like psychology. I kind of like helping people. Yeah. And, and we there's a huge need to help people emotionally right now. Yes. Um, right. So <laughs> she's like, oh my gosh, I run a nonprofit for that. And then, so I kind of tested the waters with her. That was like spring my senior year. Worked for her, ended up really enjoying it, ended up just meeting a lot of people in the field. Uh, and that just kind of grew, grew. Played at my fifth year, major in psychology, learned some more, really kind of said that I think this is for me. So now I'm getting my master's and then just wow. kind of keep trucking on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And you're so right. I mean, mental health and all of that is very important. Did you see the comments yesterday in from about Dak? Yeah, no, I mean, whoa, like, whoa, like, because it's, it's, to me, it's crazy, because for the first time, I think the world's kind of starting to catch up that mental health is like, affects everyone It's because I think the pandemic showed that, right? Like, everybody, oh, 100%. everybody's anxious, everybody's uncertain, everyone's a little bit depressed and isolated. Mm-hmm. So for the first time, I think the world's kind of like, okay, this is important. And numbers are trending that you know, in the next five, 10, 15 years, like there's really gonna be a shortage of, of psychologists because people are gonna need it and whatnot. So for Skip Bayless to just not read the room, you know, and to just completely, <sighs> to say that, oh, because he's the quarterback of America's team, he like can't be, like the, the, the guy's dealing with- He's a know, person. Yeah, he's like, a, he's a person. Like right. that's the whole thing. And, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later, I think with people, I mean, and these athletes and mm-hmm. that they are people first. But he's a person and you just yeah. lost somebody. How like so close to him, you know? And like I saw a tweet I thought said it well. Like he didn't get caught on a hot mic saying this. He said this on a segment, mm-hmm. totally like to his audience saying, This is what I want to say. Yep. This is what I believe. Not, you know, like it wasn't like, oh, whoops, I was being recorded. No, he knew he mm-hmm. was being recorded. That's the part that's like, I guess it shouldn't surprise me with him. Like I'm not, you know, yeah, he I'm loves never hot really... takes and yeah. Oh my god, great. he's all for it, and it's all about the clicks, and he right. gets all the clicks, and it's like, okay, but at what expense? Especially mm-hmm. this, like, genuinely, what expense is that? Um, yeah, that was awful. I couldn't believe it. I listened to like not eighty percent of it, and I was like, I can't listen to him mm-hmm. say anything anymore. I can't listen to him on a normal day. Now you're mm-hmm. saying this stuff. Oh, it's yeah. awful. And, and that's, he's, he's a troll. That's kind of what Skate Bayless is. He's a troll and, and he goes back and forth to athletes. But I love to see, I mean, I, I don't love that he got hate, but I love that there's backlash and there was resistance to those comments because I think that's not allowing that perception of mental health to continue, you know, really truly ending the stigma, ending the discrimination towards mental health is needed. So all the athletes, you know, Des Bryant, Kevin Love, all the athletes and people that, you know, denounce Skip's words, like, I think was, was great to see. 100%. Like, and, and so, and like people in his, 
people at ESPN or people like just in the sports broadcasting world also were like, what? No, this is not what we say. This is not what we do. Like, it's just not something you say. And you're right. People are finally being like, this isn't right. Mental health is important. And like, let's continue the conversation. Cause I Uh think people are used to be scared to say anything because it's like you're weak, which is what Skip Bayless was basically saying. But now people are like, no, actually, if you could talk about it, you're stronger than what you think. And like, let's continue. So it becomes normal, you know, so that people that look up to Dak Prescott can be like, oh, he also goes through stuff like that. I go through stuff like that. I'm not weird. I'm not Mm. like, I don't have something wrong with me. That's like, that's what these athletes are. They're these role models for kids and for people. I think it's like it's it's stronger of him to come out and say these things being the quarterback of America's football team. Yeah, 100 percent. And it just it's just irresponsible on Skip Bills's part. Like like a hot take is saying, you know, the Cowboys are going 16 and 0. That's like a hot take saying yes. somebody's like weak for, for talking about mental health for clicks and views. That's not a hot take. That's just not being a very, you know, good person in that moment. Um, exactly. Exactly what you said is that kids look up to adults look up to someone like Dak Prescott and the biggest thing is if we can just get people to just be willing to talk about what they're feeling that's mm-hmm. such a huge first step like just talking about what you're going through and what you're feeling and I think we'll it, like literally Dak Prescott by mentioning what he said saved lives and I think he oh, said yeah. it with his brother in mind his brother died by suicide so I think he he felt the courage to do that because of his brother and by him doing that, like there's gonna be some little kid who's struggling with what he's going with, and he's gonna have the courage to, whether it's his mom or a therapist or his best friend, to speak about it and be like, hey, like I'm not, I'm not okay right now. Like I'm depressed. I have anxiety. I have something, and then that can lead to the proper care or whatever. But you know, skip those comments. You know, just really, really holds back us with that momentum that we're trying to build in mental health. Especially with how big he is and how well-known and, Mm -hmm. like, how many people see that. But, again, at least the people that are also just as big and just as well-known were, like, no. And, you know, um, and it's sad that there are other people that think that. But just like everything else going on in the world, not everyone's always going to agree, even on things that it doesn't make sense that they don't agree. But... But again, we'll get into more stuff later. I don't want to get too hyped up too quickly. Um, but uh, basically how I want to start this and continue this, because I do love, and I, that was a great tangent that we went on because I could talk about that all day too. I'm very empathetic. I feel my feelings. You guys have seen me cry at football. Like wow. I've cried, like I am not afraid also to show my feelings. It's become something I'm used to because I know who I am, but it's taken a while to like be okay with it. Because right. it, it's like, you know, you're always told stop crying or stop being so sensitive. Like that doesn't help at all. You know, like I'm going to therapy right now again for like the third or fourth time. And I'm very open about it because mm-hmm. I'm also like, because I just want other people to know it's normal. And somebody that if you see my social media, I'm very open about everything. I'm open when I have a bad day, when I'm, ha- when I'm great, when I'm happy, because I have mainly high schoolers that follow me and I want them to know like, Hey, you see me usually smiling, but you don't know everything that's going on like I'm not always perfect it's okay if you're not too like just to normalize the fact that everyone has bad days everyone's going through something you know and some is going to be harder than others but it doesn't diminish what you're going through I think is important to like for kids to know um Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah so uh I love that 
But what I want to know more about is your athletic career, because I only know Columbia a little bit. Um, but basically, if there's one memory that stands out in your athletic career, like, is there one that just like sticks out that you that's your favorite? Ah, uh, well, well, first, before I, I, I think it's very important to commend you for being open about therapy. That's something that I want to go into at some point myself uh, for different reasons. I yeah. think I think it, the expectation is that you see a doctor for your physical health once a year or once every two years. I would love to see the world or at least the country get to a point where there's an expectation that you see a mental health specialist once a year or, I think, yeah. you know, that's, that's to me would be like a beautiful thing to see. But to answer your question, um, wow. Uh, I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you okay. one from a team perspective and then one from a personal perspective. So from a team perspective, there's, there's very few, um, you know, better memories for me than freaking Josh Wainwright, man. The kid's an animal. Who, <laughs> who, happy, happy birthday to him. Just, I was just going to yeah, say, it yeah. was just his birthday. Just his so birthday. all I saw was him on my on right. Instagram stories. But man, the kid is special. Like that, that was my junior season. It was when, for context, now Columbia when I committed to Columbia, I, I, you know, I'm come from a place where I didn't know much about the Ivy League. So I, the only Ivy League I knew is Harvard, Yale, Princeton, the ones that you see in the movies. I didn't yes. know about, I thought Dartmouth was pronounced Dartmouth, like two <laughs> hey. weeks in my freshman year, you know, like I didn't. I mean, even, I get it. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, Columbia and Brown were the two Ivy Leagues that didn't recruit me at all. Every other Ivy League, you know, recruited me at some point. I talked to a coach or whatever. Columbia wasn't until Coach Bagnoli came aboard, and he was recruiting me when he was at Penn. And when he oh. came to Columbia, started recruiting me again, right? So I, uh, well, after I committed, I was like, I committed to a school mainly for a coach. I really don't know much about the program. I just know that they're not really good. And I didn't know how bad they were. Like, yeah. you yeah. Google, like, top 10 worst college football programs ever. And that, not just, like, Ivy League or F, or F Division, oh. like, ever. Columbia ever. is, like, one of the top 10 worst programs yeah. ever. Like, the, the the 50 game losing streak and they were right when I was going in they were on a 20, 20 game losing streak and oh. it was bad yeah so freshman sophomore year we went five total games junior year things switched and the good thing about it was heading into that season we felt different we felt like yo we can shock the world and then we started to do it we beat Princeton on Ronald Smith's you know great uh, I heard about this game yeah touchdown and then the next week now we're home we're playing Penn I hated Penn for my own personal reasons. Yes. Uh, and it, it's – Coach Bagnoli hasn't been pen yet, and there's that in the news and whatnot. We're down 21-7. We start to come back. We're in overtime now. They have Justin Watson, who now plays for the, the Buccaneers, actually, and he he scores at the end of the game to force it to overtime. It's a great game. It's homecoming, so – I was going to say, is it homecoming? homecoming. Yeah. So no matter how bad Columbia is, the one thing I loved is that homecoming was going to be a, a well – you know, like fans were going to come out for homecoming. Yeah. So the fans are the, the stadium's packed. It's, it's a beautiful day. Now we go to overtime. Penn scores first and kick a field goal. Uh, now we're on offense. It's third down, and Oren Milstein, who's our all, first team All Ivy kicker, he's warming up. You know we're like, okay. Third down. Everyone's kind of thinking, okay, we'll kick a field goal, whatever. We'll, we'll live to see another day. <laughs> and then Coach Fab calls uh, Sting. I think I think it's, he called West Sting. So. When it's Westing, the Sting routes to the right, which is a, a corner post route. So it's a double move. Okay. And, you know, 
knowing that I know the play, I'm looking, I'm like, oh my God, we're about to win the game. <laughs> you know, Josh runs, the, at this point, the double team in Josh, he still runs a great route, catches it in the end zone, slant, spikes the ball, the ref, the ref falls over. Like we rush the stadium. Like these are the pictures I've seen. I yes. wish I was there. Oh, oh, I wish you were there. Like it was, it was just, it was just probably one of the top three, top five moments in Columbia football history. Oh yeah. Because we go on a run, we end up six and zero before our first loss to Yale. I don't want to talk about that. But no, no, no. no. Only good. <laughs> it was a magical season. So from a team perspective, that was my favorite. From an individual perspective, uh, I'd have to go back to high school. Yeah. Where again, we're a new team. We're doubted. Uh, and fo- Florida high school football rules like you can't compete for a state championship until you play two years of varsity. So our okay. first year of varsity, we're in this like uh, conference with a bunch of other private schools who like like left that Florida high school football association yeah. and created their own conference. Uh, we're playing this team from the west coast of Florida. They're really good. They have you know college athletes on their team as well. They're undefeated. We lost a game or two that season, but we're really good. Uh, we we hosted the championship game, um, and just just that whole game was magical. Uh, I, I scored like an eighty yard touchdown that game. Uh, you know, it was a tight game. It was a competitive game. Then we won. You know, they carried me off the, the, the field. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Another situation where the, the, the fans, the students, rushed the stadium and were taking oh. a million. Photos. It's just it's just one of those moments where it's just like. Just like everything in the world's perfect, you know what I mean? Like everyone's yes. hugging and everyone's crying and everyone's, you know, similar to the one in college where everyone rushed the field. And it's just like, it's just unity, you know? So uh, the first 100%. one was more like I was more involved. I was more a main focal point of that moment. But even in college when it wasn't me and, you know, it was Josh scoring the game, winning touchdown and whatnot, uh, equally as just, you know, amazing and, and fun to be a part of. Yeah. And you guys had a great bond like that team that i was a part of the next year so after mm-hmm. that year which i heard about all of that and i was like god dang it i was not <laughs> a part of it um yeah. and that i never even got to take photos of josh only one game when i surprised them at cornell last this past right. season i didn't even get to take he injured himself the wow. first game of the year i wasn't there i didn't get to travel that first wow. game like i didn't go myself i don't know why i forget if there was a, re- I think they hired somebody before I, I don't know, but it, I went to every other away game. Uh-huh. I mean, I ended up traveling myself, but yeah, I never got to take photos of Josh for a full season. And I was super bummed because he got one of my wow. favorite photos, like practice one. It was like, uh-huh. and it was just a photo of him, like just the side of him, you know, like just the side of his helmet. And I just remember like, Oh, this is such a cool photo. <laughs> like, and yeah. I had it and that, and then I was like, and I was so bummed for him because it's Josh and you knew how like crucial he was. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine if he had played that season, how well that year would have gone. Cause it yeah. already went pretty well. Like, you know, for especially Columbia's standards, mm-hmm. but like, I think that could have been like uh, even more historic of a season with yeah. him. I mean, that season we had so many injuries. I oh my be, God. I wasn't even supposed to play. I tore my labrum early in the season, but Later was kind of an injury that can heal on its own. So like, yeah. they like I was talking, I was talking to um, I'm afraid of the team doctor's name now. Um, oh my god! But um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm talking to the team doctor about like, yeah. do I need surgery? Ah, uh-uh. then like Josh goes down, and we had some other guys go down. Ron, eighty went down for a little while. Yeah, you know, so we, like we lost a lot of guys that 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 quarterbacks were going down. We had a lot of, oh. and we still won five or six games that year. You know, so we were we were pretty. And again, we were, we're a talented team. And Josh, like you said, like I wish you got to, you know, take more pictures of Josh because he's a very 
you know, emotional person. Which is the exact thing I love yes. to capture. Yeah. Like it's, he is, he is prime for me because he was great in practices. I captured mm-hmm. him in practice. Cause then when he was coming back, I captured him like right before I ended up leaving and, you know, ending my time there. But what the heck? I, mm-hmm. he, oh, I was so, such a good, such a good player. Like just, I was glad I got the one game um, at Cornell. They didn't play very well. It was not a great game, but I was glad to be there. I got to see, you know, Murph and all them, Parker, all them at their last game. I surprised them. They didn't know yeah, it was coming. It was, was awesome. the best reaction that I could have gotten. Like Josh saw me and uh, Murph didn't even know it was coming. None of them did. A few of the parents knew. And so then when they walked out of the tunnel, like before to warm up, they're like, what are you doing here? And I, I actually, like, I keep looking up. There's a picture that I took with Murph, like, ahead of um, on my wall uh and it's just like I'm so happy because I love you guys just uh, you guys mean the world to me like it's I don't know if I could choose a favorite moment if I had to choose one from Columbia my favorite moment was every day with uh when you guys would walk down to practice which is what I want to talk about later and we will talk about that um no it was just you guys were you guys meant a lot to me um now um, what sport do you wish you had played? Wow. Okay. Or um, could have played or like excelled in, like if you could choose a sport that you could have been like really good at. I always say, I think the best sport to be like, like if you could say you're going to be the number one player in the world at any sport, yeah. I always think it's basketball. Like I, I knew just, I had a feeling that's what you're yeah, going to say. Like, like, like I just always think like whatever you see, like, LeBron going on a fast break dunk or like you see Steph Curry pull up from half court and just like to just be on the basketball court and just do whatever you want just to be the best person on the court it's just so the I, control and yeah. like athletic ability they have and a lot of them could play almost any other sport right it is you're right no I yeah. think I think basketball like baseball I played my freshman year it was fun but it's just so slow paced to me uh yeah, I guess from a financial standpoint, it would be the sport to play. But oh my god, yeah, you really can get some money off of it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> just from a, a sheer thrill, like like there's nothing, there's nothing like March Madness. There's nothing like a game nothing. seven of a of a playoff game or like the NBA Finals. Like it's just like like when every moment, like every dunk, every like three pointer, just like is so it's just so fast and so exciting. Like even football is a slower paced game. Yes, um, in a different way. Right. Yeah, 100%. So if I could be really good, because I play basketball the most right now, like right now that yeah. I'm done with sports, like, and even like our little pickup games get intense. And like, I hit a game winner the other it's day. So, it's, it's like so exciting. It was, I'll tell you what, probably my, my, <laughs> my like personal athletic best achievement while at Columbia was intramural basketball, is hitting a game winner three pointer. Like that's probably I hit a there game. There we go. I was hyped. I was upset because <laughs> my girlfriend at the time, who was like recording the game, wasn't recording that moment. I'm like, there's <laughs> ten seconds left in the game, and you didn't. Rec- that's like the highlight <laughs> of my life. But uh, yeah, so basketball is a fun game to be good at. Oh my god! Hey, I get it, and I uh, I work with a lot of high schools in the area. I've become so close with one of my high schools that you've probably seen these photos. I took photos of their rec basketball. That's how much. That's how invested I am with their, these high school kids. Wow. But that's also how big of a deal this rec basketball is because it's all kids from all different sports and such. Um, you know, playing. I tried to block the light. Sorry. Um, <laughs> 
it's all different kids from all different sports, like playing basketball. So they compete against each other, even though, even if they're teammates together on different, you know, like if they're baseball teammates, but now they're competing against each other. So I understand that that would be your favorite because yes, that's exciting. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I like basketball. (laughs) Yeah. It's fun. Um, uh, how do you think sports have helped you in life now? Uh, I would definitely say, uh, I mean, for starters, I, 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 I know not everyone has, you know, that athletic, you know, some people are just born to be in the arts or, you know, whatever. Not everyone's really meant to play sports, but I just think it's so important from like a developmental standpoint to play sports. Um, For starters, like we're social beings, but so much of school is not really social. Like you go to school, they individualize you. Um, they switch you up, they're like, don't talk or like do your work and don't collaborate. But in sports, it's the opposite. Like they're teaching you how to collaborate. They're teaching you social skills from a young age. So, and also too, like, like being blessed to be, to grow up typically the best or one of the best players on the team. I was often, cause I think I'd be really shy if I didn't play sports, but I was, oh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. I, but I was forced into these leadership roles because as the more talented kid growing up, and then I played quarterback a little bit. It's like you, like you have to lead us. Like you have to speak. You have like you're in the limelight. We're looking at you. It really forced me to like develop this confidence that I have and develop this like. I mean, I always think I was a, like an empathetic person, but like to help out the the, the kid that's the least talented on the kid on the team. You know, in football they, they have like yeah. a six play rule uh, where I grew up. Like even okay. even if like you have to play a kid at least six plays. So, like, helping out the kids that know they're only playing six plays, often in garbage time, often in positions where, like, you know, they're not really an impact in the game, but, like, learning to care about that person. Uh, just It just helped me to, like, just think about other people and to just be more confident in myself. And then on, like, a psychological standpoint, like, like that rhythmic behavior, like dribbling a basketball, like running, walking, like, like it's kind of like um, – with babies, like, why do you rock your baby? It's that rhythmic pattern that they're used to because they hear when they're, when you're pregnant, they hear your heartbeat, that rhythmic pattern. So you get, you get used to that. And then if you don't, like, if you don't, at school, you're not, you're not allowed to tap your, uh, tap your foot when you're nervous or tap your pen or click your pen. Like you tell kids not to do that. So you lose that relaxing, regulating rhythmic behavior that you were born with, that you're born like, like yearning for. But yeah. in sports, it's all over sports. It's all you're always constantly. So I just think from a developmental standpoint, it's just so important. Like my kids, my kids don't have to be athletes, quote unquote athletes. But like when they're growing up, they're definitely playing a lot of different sports because I think you learn so much about life through sports and developing through sports. So yeah, I agree. I like that, and I think you do. You're around a lot of different people. Like, you know, it's not just like, especially when you're growing up, you know, like I think, yeah, there's the kids that like, they're going to play, they're going to be really good. But then there's the kids that are just playing to play and like, well, you know, you get to be around every type of person. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think it's crucial in development for sure. Like, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't play sports. You know, I was also kind of one of the best when I played, like I was just athletic, which is always funny because kids now, when they see that, they're like, wait, you played sports? I was like, yeah, what do you think I just didn't? And now I'm a sports photographer. How do you get into that? Like, and how do you think I know all of these sports? Like, yeah, it's my life. Um, That's a, I like that though. And I do think it's like, it's good. You don't force your kids. You're not going to force your kids, but to develop, Mm -hmm. it gives you such every part of development that you could think of is like in sports. Especially learning how to fail. That's so true. So huge. Like if you grow up and you never were told, no, you never took an L like loss or I I learned so much. Like, like when you're a little kid and you lose, you cry. Like you're like, you don't know how to process that. Like, like, what do you mean? I lost? Like, what do you mean? Like, like we can't keep playing. Like, like, no, you can't like, that's it. Like you, like, 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 find it like don't lose next time but you learn like wow i lost like i failed because usually when you're a kid especially the beginning like you're given everything because you're a kid like not everything obviously but you are given a lot more you Mm -hmm. know like you're not said no to a lot you're not you know yeah it's a great it's i think everyone should play sports at some point in their life like Mm -hmm. they don't need to be the best they don't need to you know go and play in college but being around it is I I get so confused when people aren't like don't like sports. I'm just like, yeah, I know. How do you not do that? Like, what do you? Right. What? It's my literal whole life. I don't know I, what I would do without same. it. And then from right? a diversity standpoint, uh, Trevor Lawrence recently came out with a statement that reminded me so much. One of my bestest right now is my high school quarterback, who's a white kid and grew up in a you know mostly white um, you know neighborhood or whatever. And you know what he said, my 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 high school best friend said is that like really for a lot of white people, they have the privilege of like, just not really ever associating with minorities. Like, you know, like a lot mm-hmm. of white people, the, the extent of, of, of interacting with, with minorities is, is really just what you see on TV. Like, like if you live in the suburbs, if you live in these like pockets where there's not a lot of minorities, like you don't on a day-to-day basis. Like I don't go a single day without interacting with a white person or interacting with someone of a different ethnicity. But for a lot of yeah. white people, it's a lot easier. So, you know, my high school friend who who's you know now one of my best friends now, and and he understands what I'm, or he can try to sympathize with what I'm going through now with everything going on in the country. And Trevor Lawrence recently came out with a statement where he was like, being able to listen to my, I, I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, I don't remember the direct quote, but like basically yeah. being able to hear out his black teammates, his black brothers, and 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 having to, as painful as it, as it is, shift the way, like, this country, the way it's been for me, it's different than the way it's been for my black teammates and my black brothers. And and because it's a paradigm shifter. Like, if you grow up, if you're, you know, he's a he's an athletic white male, like, like America loves that. America loves him. But then, it up. you know, with his black teammates, like, like learning about racism and whatnot from them, him, him admitting, like, I had to change the way that I view things and I learned from them. You, you don't get that if you don't have sports. Like, sports forces us to enter. Not to say sports is the cure to racism, because there's racism within sports, for sure. 100%. But it just it gives you, allows you the opportunity to, like, have conversations with people of different ethnicities and learn about them, learn about their cultures. You know, people that look different from you, I mean, it's, it's, it's natural biases. If someone looks different from you, like, you're, you're naturally, like, it's a defense mechanism to get a little, you know, apprehensive or get a little scared. Be like, you know, just to make sure you're okay, protect yourself first. Mm-hmm. But unlearning these things through sports because you're around these people you're talking to these people 
it's just another one of the benefits of sports, you know, but no, I think that's great. And um, I think that's a great way to segue into us talking about racism in sports. Sure. Cause that's kind of the biggest, that's the next uh, part about what I want to talk about. Um, but I think you're right. And I think it's when I talked to, when I did my first interview with uh, Tom Johnson, who's a track and field athlete, he went to my high school, then he went to UMBC is actually training to go to the Olympics, you know, and we talked about it. And he's like, the thing that we have to do, anybody, but like, especially white people or not people of color is educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like if we don't educate ourselves, there's going to be no change ever. Um, So I think that's a good, like, yeah, just, and being around it. But a lot of people that have those racist thoughts don't want to be around those type of people. And it's like, it's hard. How are we going to get to that part where it's like, you know, you have, it's, yeah it's crazy it's it's uh there's a lot going on mm-hmm. um let's start with just saying if you could mm, how would you explain everything going on right now like what's your thoughts about it like if you could i mean just condensed version maybe like we'll go back and forth mm-hmm. kind of but just overall yeah i mean i would say what i see going on has been you know, the black reality for a very long time. And I don't know what it is. And it, it could be because of quarantine and, and there's no sports, there's no inter- no concerts, no entertainment. And it really forced you, like, there's really nothing to, to watch on TV besides nope. reruns and the news. And then and the news is more exciting than the reruns because we're in the midst of a global pandemic. So people were really loading up on the news. And because I'll tell you what, like the, the situation with George Floyd, uh, I don't know if this sounds crazy or whatnot, but to me, there's been more heartbreaking cases or like, or like more clear cases to me where I'm just like, how does any, how is there any debate on this? And to me, I, I, I talk about, to me, it's like Tamir Rice, like there should be no debate. A 12 year old kid playing with a toy gun was, 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 it was a threat to an officer was killed. And, and there's no repercussions for it you know because you put the badge on and, and all of a sudden it's a license to kill to me i don't know how anybody could, could say oh the 12 year old deserved to die he shouldn't have been playing with a toy gun like kids play with toy guns i play with toy guns water guns kids grow up with nerf guns or bb guns like this america loves guns but when a 12 year old boy is playing with a toy gun he deserved to die so no you like... know but with george floyd for whatever reason, it really sparked and really cracked into a lot of people, I, I thought, that were blinded or just chose not to see the reality of being Black in America. And, and yeah. that's how, like, your death is always, it's always your fault. Like, you're, you're the victim, but then you become, you know, at fault for your own death. So there's, you know, you shouldn't have talked back. You shouldn't have walked away. You shouldn't have... You know, it's always you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have. But for whatever reason, a lot of white people for the first time came to me and was like, whoa, like, this is so wrong. Like, is this what you deal with? Is this what you go through? Because I've been, my first introduction to, like, like my me waking up to realizing, like, like oh, there's still racism in America was Trayvon yeah. Martin. And I was... Yeah, 100%. I was, like, in eighth or ninth grade or whatever. I, mean, I still knew racism was a thing, but, like, like differentiating that race racism isn't just like saying hateful slurs or no. murdering black people. There's so many like there's that's, so much nuance to racism. 
you yes. know? And so Trayvon Martin's death really like radicalized me and dove me into that world to understanding there's so like systematic systemic racism is, is so, so much a part of our culture and our reality. And, you know, so it kind of just woke up the, the world. There's protests in all 50 states, there's protests in different countries. Yeah. So, which was great to see. Um, we'll see what comes of it. Uh, I think there's a lot of performative action right now with, and my team, the Miami Dolphins, actually just condemned the NFL for saying basically, like, you're not really doing anything. And they, yeah. yeah, they're not going out for the national anthem for game one. So I, I well, think, and there's, go ahead, yeah. No, there's two, and they're like doing two national anthems now for yeah, week one or like, something. Which it's it's all of these symbolic things. Like right. let's put Black Lives Matter on every street in America. Let's put end racism in. That's not like what <laughs> it's like. And even the little things like um, voice actors are like, oh, I play a black black character, but I'm white. I'm gonna we're gonna I'm gonna. That's okay, but those things that. That's not okay. Right. If the if the if you got hired because you were white and there were was someone that was black, then let's talk about it and like maybe then mm-hmm. yeah something should have changed and you can give that to a black person. I don't know or someone of color, but those little things like it annoys. It's it, I know it bothers you guys because like you know I say you guys, but like people of color in general because I see it on Twitter all the time that I'm just like this isn't what we want. <laughs> like this isn't like it's not what we're looking for. Right. You're looking for change. You're looking for putting your money where your mouth is. Like to, you know put it into something. Don't yeah. put your money into painting Black Lives Matter everywhere. That's such a. It's like I did this. Look at what I did. I don't have to do anything. It's right. like everyone posting the black, the black squares, square. which I know I posted it, but I posted it. And then I didn't know what else to post like for my personal Instagram, because I have a lot of white athletes and I'm like, what am I going to now just post all these white athletes right now when everything like that doesn't feel right to me, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to do the wrong thing. You know, I don't want to look the wrong way. And I remember talking to you about it. Cause like, I also talked to you about like, I was selling merch to like donate money and stuff. I don't want to do things the wrong way, but I also don't want to ask so many questions and be like, right. you know, like I, it's it, for me, it's like finding that fine line, mm-hmm. but also like it has to happen. You know, like I, I, I just, I, you guys are going through so much more like me, my little worries about whether I'm doing th- something right or wrong is not the worst thing. Like, fine. If I do something wrong, I did something wrong. Now let me learn from it and like continue. Um, yeah. The, the little things, the, the, it's right yeah it's so fake it's so fake like it's it's not real you know um it's but yeah and it's and i hope that there's more coming like i hope that there's actual change coming like within the nfl like you know the fact that kaepernick didn't have a job because of what he did and now it's like, oh, just kidding. Like, right. we should have done. No. And, and, and bringing him in for interviews or for, you know, whatever was all fake. Like, mm-hmm. everyone knew that that was a stunt. Yep. You want to look better. And I get that that's how you want to look. But when, like, until th- like big organizations and teams want to actually do the right thing and, and then they look bad to their fans and, like, a- and continue to do it then there's not going to be change if that makes sense. Yeah, no. Like, you know what I mean? 100%. 100%. And that's, you know, if you look at the NFL, it's it's a league where, you know, the vast majority of your athletes, which which is your product, is, is what runs your organization, are black. But then there's very few coaches that are black. There's very few 
front office managers that are black. The Dolphins are the only team in the league with a, with a black GM and a black head coach, you know? There's, wow. I don't know if there's one black owner in the NFL. I was going to say, I don't know if there is. You know, so that and that and that's that these are things we're talking about, like is elevating, you know, people of leadership, even before the whole this everything happened this summer. We're talking about, you know, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Billini, I think his name or something like that. uh, A black guy literally led one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL and (laughs) couldn't sniff a head coach job interview. But then you have, you know, white position coaches for average offenses or average defenses who are, oh, he's going to be the next head coach, he's going to be the next this, the next that. And it's like, yep, this guy just led, like, the Chiefs offense, which everyone will admit is unstoppable. Like, them putting up, like, 31 points last night, people were disappointed, like, whoa, like, only 31 points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That's how good they are. That's They're like, wait a minute. They are, right. Do and, more? And, and this, like, no one, no one thought to say, hmm, maybe they have a pretty good offensive coach. You know, obviously Andy Reid's handling a lot of that. He's he's an offensive guru, but like, as it's more just overlooking black people, which is yes. more so like a part of the NFL's problem, and and just not actually doing like nobody wants end racism in the end zone. Like that's not what we want. That's the thing, and yeah. it's like yeah, and it and I mean yeah, they, exactly those things. It just like bothers me now. I'm yeah. like stop, like stop doing it. You know, like you're not these little songs and stuff like that. Right. It's not going to change anything. You're just, you know, pushing it aside. Basically uh-huh. you're saying I did this and now let's move on. No, it's 300. It's years and hundreds and hundreds of years of racism uh-huh. that you're trying to end. Like it's not going to end with painting something or putting something on a field. Um, no. And the hiring is like definitely huge. I remember that. And I saw that a tweet about something like around, not around him, but I think it was actually with Steve Nash being hired for the for Brooklyn Nets right, yep. because I think their assistant coach or something is black. I want to say, and they thought he was something like that. And of course, like Katie and Kyrie were both backing Snap. Who knows? Uh-huh. I mean, it's Steve Nash. Like, how, it's tough to. I don't know. But someone said then, like, oh, they'll put like black people in a position where, like, basically to fail. And be like, oh, no, but we put you in a position to try, you know, and then then fire them right away when they don't succeed, but mm-hmm. they need more time to succeed. But they'll put like white coaches in a position where it's like, here's this team that did really, really well. And their coach just retired and they're still really good. And then they just take over a program that's fantastic. And it's like those little instances have to stop less. Like right. you have to, you know, be able to not see their and I don't mean not see race I just mean like not choose because of race like you Mm. know and just look at the resume who should get the job yeah 100 percent. and I mean for starters just to end a performative uh talk something I thought of was just like before the the call we talked about like my injury of cutting my hand and and yes puncture my heart and and (laughs) what painting the end zone does and what black Lives matter sleeves does is putting a band-aid on a punctured artery like it's not so going to stop the bleeding. It's not no. going to do anything. But um, more to your point, uh, again, I, like the Steve Nash situation is, is is tough because Steve Nash is such a you know global figure in the sport. Exactly. Of basketball. No one's doubting that he doesn't know the game of basketball, and it may not be you know a bad coach. But I think more so, it's just like, have you ever heard of a retired black player? Then this is basketball. There's plenty of them. To just yeah. automatically boom get like a four year contract to be a head coach of the, now the Nets are going to 
arguably they're, one of the top. The next they're gonna be very good. Yeah, the Kyrie, yeah, KD, like to just be given such a, a exactly. luxury of a team, you know, and then just 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 giving the keys to a portion, say we trust you with this. But if you're a black coach, That's- it's just like you know, you already have two strikes. Like, don't don't mess this up. You know what I mean? Versus, if Steve Nash is the Nets are like the sixth seed next year, Steve Nash isn't losing his job. No, but if it was, you know, you can make an argument. You know, if you totally can, right? If it's a black coach, well, think about the, the Toronto Raptors had coach who was black, won Coach of the Year, and was fired the same year because they like didn't like go past Eastern Conference Finals or, or or whatever it was that year. I think they ran into LeBron and lost in like five games in the fi- in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like okay, <laughs> but it, it's it's just like oh, it's just that expectation that like like you can't. It's like you're already going into it with two strikes. Exactly. So, you know, and it was, it was a worthy debate. It's tough because no one's down in a Steve Nash may not no. do a great no, job. No, no, no. Right. But it's, no, it's just more, right, yeah. yeah, it's more reinforcing that, like, if Steve Nash was black, would, would you have this much confidence in him? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, I don't. I don't. And until there's more change and, like, you know, more black coaches or leadership roles especially – then then we'll know, you know, mm-hmm. and see the change that we want. Um, now, are there any instances, whether it was in high school or in college, that you you had any, like, racism towards you, whether it's in sports or in just life in general that you would want to talk about, um, that you feel comfortable talking yeah, about? Right. You don't have to. You know, I'm just – I just want, like, a big reason I want to do this podcast is kind of get your perspective – um like it's not your job it's not black people's job to in like to inform us but it's nice to talk to them and like talk to you guys and have just like conversations just so that again like trevor lawrence like you know he now understands oh wow like i need to look at things a lot differently Uh you know i started reading how to be anti-racist and it's eye-opening and i read like a chapter at a time and it's a lot and like you guys deal with a lot of it every day Uh and so that's why i just want to bring my audience or anyone that listens just more information that they may not have ever gotten before. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and what I would say is, you know, I'll kind of give, you know, another a sports and a non-sports example. So from a, from an athlete perspective uh, and what people, what people need to understand is that, you know, racism is such a heavy term or a heavy label and everyone wants to jump. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I have oh, yeah. black friends. I have, and it's like, don't jump to the defensive. You know, we all grew up in a society that taught us certain biases. Like we all did, you know, we all have certain biases towards other demographics of, of people. Um, but for me, from an athlete's perspective, it's just being at Columbia and whether it's a teacher or a student or whatever, it's just, you know, the question, oh, are you an athlete? You know, what would make you assume I'm at this prestigious school? You're right. I am. And, you know, I'll be open about it. Without football, you know, I'm not getting into Columbia University. Like, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I would never apply to Columbia University without football. But it's just like, when you look at me, the first thing you you think of is, is he must be here for his athletic abilities, not his intellectual abilities. You know, so, so just always like always constantly getting that question like, oh, like, are you an athlete? Or like, oh, what sport do you play? And to them, it's just probably a conversation starter or it's probably really cool that you're an athlete, but I could have one of my white teammates next to me and you're not going to automatically ask him if he's an athlete. 
you know, I, Ryan Gilbert blended in so well with the general population because he's not a very, you know, he's an average size guy or whatever. Yeah. He's not like, he's like, a, like for a lot of the white uh, guys on the team, they're 300 pounds. So yeah, okay. You're probably, you're chance, probably in the football team. Yeah. You're a good chance <laughs> on the football team. Or if you're a basketball player and you're 6'11", okay. Like, okay. Right. You're probably, you know what I'm saying? But like, but yeah, Ryan, definitely. Ryan, you know, like Ryan Gilbert was a very, just, you know, 5'10", 190 pound kid, a dog, you know, super smart um yes a dog but like if we're in the same class and we're sitting next to each other no one's gonna ask ryan if he's an athlete you know they're always gonna ask me if i'm an athlete you know so just just those little microaggressions uh yes. when at columbia just which is just it just what that's saying is like i just assume automatically that like you just couldn't be a general student here like you didn't get here off your in- intelligence so dealing with that was quite annoying and it came from students it came from you know, parents, teachers, whoever. Um, but then other than that, just like dealing with racism, uh, like in high school and just growing up, I mean, I grew up in Florida, so it's, it's a swing state, but obviously that means it was a swing state. There's both sides of the coin. Yes. Right? So, yeah. uh, and, and really Florida being a swing state, it's just, it's just like a couple major cities that are like more to the left and the rest is very, once you pass Orlando, you're basically in South Georgia anyways. Like I'm, I'm moving in Tallahassee mm. for grad school, and, like, yeah. I might as well be in Southern Georgia. Uh, yeah. But, um, for, I mean, for starters, I, I dated a girl for three years, and her parents never knew because, you know, her mom told her, I'd rather you, you know, not, want, like, now we're getting to LGBTQ plus things. It's like, I'd rather you come home with a girl than a, than a black guy. You know, so she, you tell, like, her mom was probably, wow. her mom was probably joking when she told her that, but you tell a 15-year-old girl that, and it sticks with her. So now, oh yeah, so dealing with that, like, like you date, imagine dating someone for three years, and, like, the parents never know, like, you know, and, and just, my parents met, my parents knew her, met her, but, and that's something my high school, now, my high school, obviously, a private school is going to deal with different, you know, levels of racism and whatnot. But before I, like, kind of talk about some of my examples, I will say the beautiful thing about my high school, and actually the owner is one of the Koch brothers, not one of the ones that are super political, but, you know, a, people hear Koch brothers, and obviously I understand that that gives them a certain thought process. But, yeah. but getting to know him, knowing his children, meeting him, one of the things he said is, I want this school to look like Palm Beach County. So, you know, Palm Beach County is a diverse county, but yeah. it's it's strategic, you know. There's Riviera Beach, which is very black, and there's Palm Beach Island, where you see Trump at. You know, that's where when he's in Palm Beach, that's where he's at. Um, mm-hmm. Which is there's like one black family on that whole island, and then there's you know there's Boynton Beach, Florida, where you know Lamar Jackson played football at. Um, and then there's Jupiter, Florida, where again you're not going to find a lot of black kids. So, and a whole on on a you know on a census, it's a very diverse county, but it's a little bit segregated that might be a strong term but yeah no no i get it right so now the kids there especially because there's a school that took pride in its football program you have a bunch of kids who are from all over the county jupiter palm beach Riviera beach who obviously grew up not interacting with one another and we gelled it was beautiful gelled you have you have you know will coke who last name's coke billionaire out on the weekends hanging out with you know with with, some, with just normal guys from Riviera Beach guys from West Palm Beach guys from Boynton Beach one of his best friends was Trayvon Trayvon Leonard 
who uh, is a defensive back from Auburn, you know, who, who grew up totally different, grew up in totally different lifestyles, you know? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I don't know if it was a football team that brought the school together or what it was, um, but we gelled as, as students. Now, obviously, there's still racism everywhere, you know? But yes. For the most part, we were very connected, uh, a student body, but that's kind of the extent of it. You know, you had parents. I remember being brought into the office um, with Trayvon, the, the Auburn defensive back, and you know, there's there's our president at the time, and telling us that basically, you know, some parents don't like that you, you know, are you talk to their white daughters, you know. So in this moment, I'm like, whoa, like this old white man is telling me that like no. I can't talk to, you know. That's what I think he's gonna say, and he told them. It's like I told them if they don't like it, they can take their tuition and go somewhere else. I was like, wow, that's huge. Wow, yeah. that is. Parents wanted to, and like mind you now, to give you context of my high school experience, I always tell people like I had a movie, like a movie high school experience. Like like yeah. Like people say, Oh, like like you shouldn't peak in high school. I'm not gonna lie, I might have peaked in high school. Like I had <laughs> a great high school experience. I had yeah. there's a fat head of my uh of like me playing football at my school. Oh, that's uh, so cool. Yeah, like definitely celebrated. Like they gave me my jersey on my senior night. Yeah. Um, it was a great experience because of a lot of because of student body. We had a lot of great teachers while I was there. But so I, I knew a lot of parents or so I thought. But at the same time, um, I'm, I'm hearing these stories like, oh, parents don't want you talking to their daughters. Or uh, I'm hearing these stories of like like people, parents being like, well, how did he get into Columbia? Like, you know what I mean? Or, or you know, or yeah. people assumed I wasn't very smart until I got to Columbia and then people were asking me to help them with their homework. Like, ah, oh, look at that. You know what I mean? So just, uh-huh. just definitely different. Um, even, even in a great school like that I went to, I had a great high school experience. I, you know, I loved my high school for that. You know, even in, in a situation like that, there's still things that as a black person, you're like, you're not going to escape it. Being a great athlete doesn't mean you're going to escape uh, racism, you know? So yeah. Wow. No, that's, that's good. And like, this is exactly why I want to do this. Cause like, that's just crazy to hear. And it's not as shocking to hear, which is the sad part. Like those little comments that the moms say and like parents say, because isn't it crazy how like the kids could be one way and like they'll, they're totally fine. And they're, you know, you guys are all vibing, you're all gelling together. And then like parents are the ones that are like, no, but you can't, you know what? And, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And like, that's where it starts is like these parents and their thoughts and those little comments. Like, I'd rather you date, bring home a girl than a black guy. Not that there's anything wrong with bring with home a girl. So clear. Right. But I, hello. Her, right. But to her. I am, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. I, there's nothing wrong with bringing right. home a girl. But a comment like that, mm-hmm. which is like that, I, that she doesn't want a black guy around or whatever with her daughter. It's just like that can sit with you for so long. Like those little comments. And I think that's what people have to realize. Like, and I'm speaking towards white people specifically that your little comments that you're making, they probably have heard it multiple times and it's not new and you're not helping. Like you're, it's just like, that's the part that I'm realizing. And I am somebody that like, I probably have said certain things, you know, not meaning to at all, or, you know, totally innocently doing things doesn't make it right. Like throughout my life, again, you you're right. Like we have biases that we don't even realize. And then you get to an age where you do realize and you have to change them. Like you have to grow up and get your own thoughts and your own, you know, um, 
And just like we talked about earlier, I think like how you can't understand how things are arguable, like that, that Trayvon, like that any of those kids or any of the black people that were killed, like, why would you ever say, oh, but, oh, but you don't say that when a white guy dies. You don't like we can see, we've seen headlines. We see how, you know, and that's the media. That's a whole nother story. I mean, they're doing that. You, we know at this point purposely. Um, but yeah, that's, I, it's, Thank you for sharing. Cause I know it's, I mean, you know, it's not an easy conversation to have. Um, but it's just, I think more people that look like me need to hear it and need to realize just the small impact it can have, um, or big impact it can have throughout your whole life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, before we get into my last little segment that I want to talk about, which is going to be like the photos that I've taken of you, uh, I want to, I might be interviewing some high school athletes, like, I'm not sure yet. I'm, I want to focus on black athletes and I want to focus on college ones that I've captured mm-hmm. um, as well as women in sports. Cause I think that's a whole nother Avenue that can be tackled sure. because of just things that have gone on. Um, but I do want to, I think talk to high schoolers and maybe talk about these topics and see what they're thinking or these newer college students and how they're dealing with it. Cause I think the new generation, the younger generation does have some good thoughts there are still people that i'm like how do you think that way but there are a lot that are like no that's wrong Mm -hmm. you know let's fix it um what's some advice you would give to and this is like college specific athletes um like going into their first year in college that you might have wished you had known before going into college so this is like general advice uh, just general advice yeah it could be specific to sport to athletes because that's who i'm mainly mm-hmm. going to be interviewing because this is still going to be athletes that i've taken photos of but just advice like just maybe something you wish you had known before you started um just yeah i mean anything that you would like to have them hear yeah no i mean uh i love always like giving words of wisdom to like the younger generation and whatnot um one thing i would say is uh, if I was talking to like younger people, like freshmen in college or high school seniors and whatnot, is find a mentor. And that, and that, find multiple mentors. But if you're an athlete, look on the team and and see somebody, the junior or the senior who's doing it the right way, that that is having a great career, and go under their wing. You know what I mean? Because it just keeps you like honest. That. It keep like as much as we love to be self motivated and self accountable, it's so hard. The most the most disciplined individuals will struggle to stay on task, stay on par. Like you kind of need that extra boost or that extra person to keep you on track or just remind yeah. you why you're doing it. Cause things get hard, especially as a freshman. Like fall training camp was one of the worst experiences for me. Um, but it's a wake up call. Yeah, it is. It is. So just find So on that team, find a, a mentor in uh, your, if you know what you want to do in your field, find that junior or senior or that student advisor or that teacher that can, that can just guide you a little bit. Um, you know, so find those people, find someone that's doing really good in school, find someone that's doing really good in your sport, doing really good in your field and just ask them questions. Just, just be there for them. Just watch them. Just once, cause you are who you surround yourself with. So if you're around, you know, one of the better players at your position or the one of the better players in your team, you're going to pick up their habits that got them there. If you're around, someone that's successful in your, in your field or in your major, you know, you're going to pick up their habits, their study habits, what they're doing to be successful and to keep, you're not, you're going to look at them. If you're just looking at like the other freshmen who are all not knowing what to do and trying to figure it out, you know, you're just going to continue to not know what to do and not figure it out. 
But if yeah. you're not someone that figured it out, you're gonna pick up on things quicker. So I wish I definitely found a mentor earlier. Yeah. Um. So that that would have been and have multiple mentors. That and then I would say meet people. Like enjoy college. Like enjoy uh, those four or five however long it is. Now that doesn't yeah. mean get off track. That doesn't mean you know I'm not. I I am a proponent. Like I don't think partying should be stigmatized. Like go have fun. Like we're on. Yeah. We're not on this earth to go to school, go to work, and go home. Like. <laughs> Like be social. We're, we're literally social beings. Like, and I think do what makes you happy. Because right. like, if you don't want to party, I was never someone that wanted to. Yeah. It just was. A, it's a social thing for me yeah. that like, I don't feel comfortable. Like, I didn't drink till I was twenty one. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely didn't actually drink till I was twenty one because it wasn't something that was comfortable for me. I still say I had a pretty good college experience because I did what I loved, which was basically working and taking photos. Yeah. But I did what I loved. Yeah. Find something you like, you know. And so I would say that that's, and that sort of perfectly leads us to join a club of your interests, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. If you like chess, if you like, you know, feeding the homeless, if you like, like join your interests because that, that's the easiest. I found it very hard to meet friends in college. I was, it, it yeah. was hard. It's so much different than high school. Like, like in my experience and from talking to everyone else I knew, like, you don't really become friends with the kids in your class. Like, it's such a business setting. It's so quick. You're focused on so many other things. I found friends from from being social, going out. My teammates were uh, most of my friends. And then just, just being a part of different networks or, or clubs or that, that shared my same interests that we bonded on. And that's how I found my friends. So like, you have to actively seek friends. I think the best way to do that is to pursue your interests because, boom, you guys have something in common. It's the easiest way for me to, to uh, meet friends. And then obviously the, the general, you know, handle your business in the classroom. Yes, yes. You're going to procrastinate. Course. You're going to have, you're going to pull a few all-nighters. It's going to happen. No one's going to be It's perfect. every college experience it's a part is of it. the same in that way. Right. Like, you know, you're going to procrastinate. You're going to forget. You're like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, you're going to be late for classes. You know, be easy on yourself. Of course, and, of course. That's going to happen. Yeah. And um, I do like the whole like finding a mentor. I think that's a great idea. I wish I kind of did that more. I think I found some a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I want to add on to your joining the club. Even if you're on a football team like you are still find things that you like to do outside yeah. of your sport, but also do it because you want to do it. Yeah. I think right now, like it's so hard sometimes because of social media that we get so nervous to do things that you think are interesting because no one else that you know does it. Mm-hmm. And I, right now, I'm 26 years old living at home. If there wasn't a pandemic going on, I would want to try and do things alone because I need to find, like I want to find more friends or something, but I'm terrified to do them alone because it's scary. But also remember, everyone is in the same position. Not right. everyone. There are people that are doing things, you know, have friends, but people are in the same position as you, especially first year of college. Everyone feels the same way, you know, like everyone is scared. Everyone's nervous. Everyone doesn't know if they're going to make friends. Um, Just put yourself out there. I didn't as much as I wish I had, Um, but it's not easy. It's all of this is easier said than done, obviously. Uh Um, But yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, And now we're going to get into talking about all the photos I took of you. (laughs) So I don't have specific photos for you just yet because um, I'd have to go through hundreds because how many did I take of you just walking to practice? <laughs> 
every single day. Um, basically what I wanted to talk about just to like kind of wrap this up and, and this, uh, podcast, which has been great. I've enjoyed it, uh, is talking about those pictures that I took when you guys walked to practice. First of all, you guys never had anyone like me before I got there. There was no one, right? Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Like, you know, I was that for, you know, and, uh, so you said I impacted the team. I hate to, I don't like to talk about myself and I don't want to be like, what did I do? But can you just talk about that? Like talk about me being there for that, just that one season. And just like my favorite, what my favorite thing would be when I would take the photos of you guys walking. And then one of the kids would be like, that's Instagram worthy. That's going on her Instagram. That's, that's going to make it. I'm just like, guys, you know, at this point too, that like, if you say that it's not going on Instagram. <laughs> Like, just, can you just like talk to, give me a little bit more behind the scenes of that I wouldn't know mm -hmm. of that stuff? Yeah. If that makes I mean, sense. I mean, yeah, we'll brag about Aaron a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but honestly, like, I, yeah, I, I would say you very much felt a part of the team. Because um, normally there's a photographer and I mean, Maybe you'll post them a little bit, but they're, they're separate from the team. You know what I mean? They're not like... Yeah. Well, there's a team... You have a team photographer that comes to games, and he's fantastic, and I know him, and he's great. Right. And you've probably had people come and do social media stuff mm -hmm. every now and then, mm -hmm. but nothing like me right. that was there every day. So no no shade to you know the other guy, um, because it's not about him. It's more so photographers in general. That, like They feel separate from the team or different from the team you felt a part of the team and you're right we did have somebody that generally took photos there wasn't like you were practice like every day so you were really yeah. there um but and you know other people that took photos for us were like really just there on game days mm -hmm. but what was awesome what was dope is that oftentimes other people they just take photos of like the star you know what i mean i think <laughs> the star doesn't get enough love and you know what i mean but you took pictures of everybody. You know what I mean? Like I, I was that kid, like like freshman sophomore year, who like I didn't play at all my freshman year. I barely played my sophomore year. So yeah. where like I'm still going, like oh the photos are up. Like I'm like, you know maybe he maybe I'm gonna go through 500 photos, maybe for a chance of one to show everybody. Yes, I actually am a cross ball player. I'm not lying. You know what I mean? But you did such a great job of getting everybody and treating everybody like the star like everybody got their chance to shine um it wasn't just a star player and and, and in doing that you still captured the star player almost <laughs> like you didn't sacrifice like their general love like you still managed to not only get them and to like you never you never missed one remember that one time someone made like a one-headed catch i was like and did you get that and you're like you know i did like Oh yes, I remember exactly. that practice. Like, you still Which is funny. Did not yes, miss yes. anything. Like, you're still on it, but then at the same time, you gave everybody that equal love. So it's like it made guys feel special. It made guys feel like yeah. the, the, the work because everyone on a football team is ultimate team sport. Everybody's important. The, the scout team guys are important. The third team quarterback yes. that's running, you know, the scout is is important. Everyone's important. So to 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 feel that to like see a picture of yourself when you haven't like had a football, like some guys never play in four years to so have a picture of you cheering on the sideline, have a picture of you working hard in practice. Like they usually, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt that because I know the reason I bring this up is I think one of your quarterbacks who didn't play a lot post said, 
I don't know if he messaged me or messaged um who did I work with? Al? No. Who whatever. Messaged my boss saying that's the first time that I've been on the Columbia football account. A photo of him. Like it was the first time in the four years that he was there because I posted. And so there was like some drama at the end of my time. I don't really want to talk about it. We can talk offline about it a little bit. And I think we will after this. I'll like we can discuss a little bit more. But I enjoyed, first of all, I was heartbroken going into this camp. Like I wrote that whole blog about it. Like I genuinely was going through the worst time of my life. I wasn't happy before the relationship. The relationship was okay, but I was so invested in her that I couldn't enjoy anything else. So like I was in such a sad place and I needed the internship so that I could get out of my house every day and I had a place to go. So being at practice was when I say my favorite part was my favorite part. I, first of all, when I would miss a practice and then and then like be there the next day or two days later and you guys be like, Eric, you're back. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where were you? Heart would be like exploding because I was like, oh, you missed me. Because <laughs> like I have also, I think this is like a good, like not only was I heartbroken and just in a sad place, you guys gave me so much happiness. Again, I've written a blog about it. Like if you haven't read it, go read it because it just, it explains all of that. I think I talked about that one play that you said did you get that photo and I was like yes (laughs) I think I actually wrote about it but like I've also even in college like because of what I did and how much I offer I was kind of taken for granted and I wasn't really appreciated for in a certain extent extent for certain people that I look back and realize that now with you guys because I I did feel a part of the team there was so much genuine appreciation given from you guys like I've never felt that before like I've been around a lot of teams and yes they love me and I know but like there was just a because of how excited I got you guys would get excited and because how appreciative I was you guys would like you guys gave back what I gave like and it was just it was unlike anything and that's why and I also like I know how it feels to not be appreciated I think and so then I was like, I got to get everyone. Like, this isn't fair. I would feel awful if I didn't get everybody, you know? Um, and that's why I would try and get everyone walking down every single day. It was the same photos. Kids would be like, okay, I got to figure out a different pose right. today. Like, <laughs> you know, it, but it was just the connection. It was more the connection, I think, that we made every day of you guys walking down than it was the actual photos of you guys right. walking down, you know? Um, there's a few I love of you because you have the greatest smile. Appreciate that. <laughs> like, gosh, can't get a bad one. I was like, dang. Um, and it's still like it makes me so happy. Josh talking speaking of Rainwright, his photo on Instagram is still my photo that I took of him wow. two years ago, like his profile picture. Um, there's a few guys, it's still like my picture, and that means the world to me. Like that's still just like it's a little thing that goes a long way. Cause like, it just is like, that's mine. Like you chose mine out of all the ones you could have chosen. Um, so thank you for those kind words. Cause that really means a lot to me. Um, because like, I love what I do. And so it's really nice when it's reciprocated yeah, in the same way. For sure. No. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely appreciate it. Like, like I said, like you make you, you make a lot of college football players remember oh yeah I am a college football player because just the nature of the game it's a business you know coaches and fans and everybody you know they only focus on a certain amount of guys so you know a lot of times that's photographers too and you know but you really got everyone and you really you know it doesn't matter who you were like every like you said I I think I know who it was that probably messaged you saying this is the first time I've ever been 
because I know. Who, yeah, you probably. Yeah, I, I know who really you would talk about. Like, wow, I've never been. You yeah. know, so like that that makes our day to see a photo posted or to whatever. So, no, nah, you definitely appreciate it. I, I I miss it. I miss like I missed it the next year. You know, like I was like oh, I miss seeing this stuff. You know, I want to be around it again. I want to, and it gave it it re-energized my whole life. Like it because, and I think again with the whole heartbreak thing, you gave me love that I needed, but I was getting it from something else and something that I already loved, but mm-hmm. I was receiving it. So I reminded myself, oh yeah, I'm more than a relationship. I'm actually a person that does something great. And outside of being in a relationship, you know, speaking of therapy, right, <laughs> sounds right. like something I'd say in therapy <laughs> um, or someone like a therapist would say to me, but, you know, genuinely, um, yeah. Are there any photos? I, I mean, yours, the main ones, and I did get you in your game at Brown, right? Oh, yeah. That, that Brown. was a huge one. Yeah. I, I, I came to it. I was like, yo, Aaron, you got to, I'm going in. You got to get me right. <laughs> I made sure. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I, I the thing is, I'm so hard on myself that if I miss a moment, I'm mad. I'm like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> I miss that. So I'm glad you came up to me because if I didn't notice and I didn't get it, I would have I would have been so upset at myself. Like, you know, because I want to capture every moment. Like, I want to capture the big plays, but I also want to get the celebration because you guys know emotions mean yeah. everything to me. That's what I love to capture. Um, and I just want to get, I, I want everyone to get the love. It, 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 it breaks my heart when someone's like, oh, did you get that? And then I didn't. And I'm like, gosh, like, I wish I did. Like, I'm so sorry. You know, like I'm trying, you know? Um, but yeah. I mean, I just want, I want everyone to feel loved basically at the end of the day. And if they can feel that love through my photos, then I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And that, so, but we started the conversation with empathy and like now we're finishing it too. Like, that's what that is. It's just, Empathy it and is putting and and feeling people's disappointment, feeling people's heartbreak, and like you take that on, which is you know, which is awesome to see. Obviously, make sure you take care of yourself as someone like that, because I I do that too. And sometimes it gets heavy, but uh, little things like that, like that, if everyone felt like that, we definitely live in a better place. We one hundred percent would. Um, well, that's a great way to end it. Um, if anyone, if they, do you want anyone to follow you on social media? Do you have Twitter? Uh, I mean, yeah. If, if you know people want to, you know, rock with me on social media, I guess Instagram is Tremaine T R E M A N E period G, and then Twitter is Trey Gabriel twenty one. I'm pretty sure what it is still. It's been like that since like junior year of high school. So I don't think I changed. All it. right, but uh, yeah, connect. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Follow him. Um, big Heat fan, right? The Heat, Dolphins, Hurricanes. Miami. Um, really well right now. The, the Dolphins look hopeful. The Heat are in the conference finals. Hurricanes just got a win last night. So Miami sports. Oh, they did get a win? Yeah, they won their game? Really it wasn't a blowout like we, you know, we would hope for week one, but it was still a win. So <laughs> just glad to see sports on TV right now. Oh, my God. Me too. Me too. Well, hey, thanks for uh, joining me. I had a blast. No, nah, this was this was I'm glad that you uh, reached out and we did this. Me too. I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Nice to always see you again. Nice to see you. Thanks for listening to Behind the Lens with EDL. I hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed talking to Trey. I think he brought up some really good points about racism in 
sports in America, as well as mental health and how everyone should be aware of their own mental health. This is exactly what I want every episode to bring, something new for us to think of. So I hope you learned something or took something away from this episode. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, everything is at EDL Photography. That's Twitter and Instagram. Check me out there if you want to see some of the amazing photos that I'm capturing of the even more amazing athletes at the moment. Uh, Again, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next episode.